Well, hey, and welcome to episode 41 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss growing in greater freedom in Christ, how our hobbies can contribute or deter from our relationship with God, and how to promote the unity of believers, both weak and strong. As always, if you've not yet listened to the message from Sunday, it is live both on YouTube and quadcity.church. We encourage you to pause this episode here, go watch that message before continuing on as it's going to help this conversation make much more sense to you. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, hey guys, good morning. Happy Tuesday. Oh, I wondered if you were going to say that. Yeah, I gotcha. I was like, I wonder if he's going to default to just happy Monday. Yeah. You did it though. Good job. It's Memorial Day. So we had a, we had a day off yesterday. It was nice. We had a good time. Um, Jason, how was your weekend? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, dramatic is the word <laughs> I would use. It That's was fair. a dramatic, dramatic weekend. You want to give the, uh, the update? Yeah. So for those of you who have been living under a rock, um, at the 11 o'clock service, after preaching the 8 and 9.30, um, I took a dive, a bit of a dive at the 11. So I had a moment about four minutes in where I blacked out right there on stage in front of God and all of... YouTube live. So, uh, I just was standing there and wasn't feeling great and it just kept getting worse and worse. And then I said out loud as I was trying to mumble and stumble through my message and my brain just wasn't working. And I just said, sorry guys, I'm just not feeling very good right now. And the next thing I know is I'm sitting in a chair. Um, so, with a bunch of people around you. With a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But so it's all good. Yeah. I mean, now a couple of days removed, right? We can look back at it and kind of laugh a little bit because we knew yeah. it wasn't anything, anything major or no. crazy from a medical perspective. No. But in the middle of it, like, you know, I got up afterwards after you you got backstage and dismissed the service. And the look on the face of the people in the room was like mortified. Yeah. It's like a, a real serious thing when you don't know what's going on. So the, uh, I know our safety team did a great job of yes. getting everything, getting EMS in and every, everyone coordinated. But yeah, for those of you who are around and experienced that, uh, things are good. Yeah. We're, we're good. Vaso, what is it? Vaso. Oh, my wife had to say it to me. <laughs> I have no idea. It's way too many syllables. There was a, I, that's our issue. Could you Vaso Vagel. You don't put as many syllables because you're from Kentucky. We blend it all together. <laughs> Vasovagal syncope. 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 So essentially, so Dr. Tim, uh, for those of you who don't know, we have an elder, Tim Dunsing, and who he just is, had left. He had just left. <laughs> he, he literally was, was in the green room. And so like, he had sat through the first two. Mm-hmm. And after the worship of the third, he went ahead and went home. And But he's a ER physician, has been for a really long time. And, uh, so he came over and explained to me what happened. I don't know. There's some 
vagal nerve that runs all throughout your body. And essentially what happens is something triggers that nerve and that nerve tells your heart to slow down while simultaneously dilating the veins in your legs. So your the capacity of blood that it's now can go to your legs gets significantly higher. And because you're heart rate goes down is no longer pumping blood up your body. So essentially all the blood just flows from your brain. So it's the same thing that happens if you've ever seen somebody who passes out when they see blood or if they see a needle and they all get woozy and they fall down and pass out, or if you scare someone really bad and they pass out, it's that's all the same thing. And so there's just different triggers that cause it. And yeah. apparently I had one on Sunday. So it's kind of like those goats that when yes. you sneak up behind them and scare them, they there get startled they and fall over. Fall over. It's kind of like that. It's something like that. So. I knew he was fine because after he woke up, he looked at me and said, Finish the sermon, Josh. And, and I, I wasn't was, kidding. I and he was, wasn't <laughs> kidding. That's why I know he was fine. I obviously <laughs> didn't say that to anyone in the moment, but I did look at Brendan and was like, Yeah, the I'm not finishing this sermon. <laughs> These people are like checked out. Like there's this isn't like we lost the feed in PV, right? It's not that. It was like, oh, huh, interesting. Okay. So nope. I did the math the other day. Or I, yeah, so I was sitting home on Sunday afternoon and I started doing the math and I'm I think I can confidently say I have preached or taught from the platform here at Quad City Christian well over 2,500 times. Yeah. Yeah. 2,500 times. And this is the first time this has happened. So uh, I told Brendan, it was funny, that this is actually, it was my, this is my 15th anniversary. It's like this week. Like the last Sunday of May in 2028 was my first Sunday. 20, I'm not sorry, 2028, 2008. 2008. 2008. Like we time traveling? Y'all, yeah. he went down. <laughs> 2008, that was my first Sunday here. My official start date was June 1st, which uh, is this week. Yeah. It would be, I don't know, a couple, three days from now. But my first Sunday was that last Coming in with Sunday a bang. in 08. So mm. it's been exactly 15 years. So uh, in 15 years, this is the first time I've, I've got a little woozy. moment. Well, and I had made the joke, I think yesterday when we were all hanging out, that, uh, you know, oftentimes in traumatic situations, there's, you know, traumaversary is like a very real thing. Anyone that's, that's right. done any sort of foster care or anything like that, <gasps> like even if you don't remember the inciting incident or the traumatic experience, oftentimes like the body keeps the score. And that, that time of year rolls around. And, and there I am. So my joke was like, man, the body keeps the score 15, just, years, 15 in years in to the and day. And here we go. Boom. I, we'll have to keep watching him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have to keep watching him, y'all. Those oh, last man. last Sundays in May now. We put it on our calendars. <laughs> there we go. June 1st. Give him a little yeah. extra love, a little yeah. extra attention. It's funny. <laughs> but we're all glad you're feeling better. And all good. good to go. I will say, man, it was on a just a side in because you didn't get to see like the concerning care uh for people uh of people for you was really awesome to see um we're in a day and age when pastors get 
just bashed and everybody's terrible and it's all always horrible. And so like it, like Brendan said, looking out at the crowd with genuine concern. Um, so which is a testament to you, man, and what you've done here for people for 15 years and uh, just, uh, you know, if, like if they didn't care, like they're like, ah, whew, thank goodness. You know, like it'd be a little worse. So, but like it wasn't that. So again, I think we're in a day and age where we just see all the bad of pastors. And so um, obviously we don't want that kind of situation to happen, but it was cool to see our, our church like genuinely worried for you. Yeah. Like people were like hanging around just waiting because they wanted some news. Yeah. Not that we had any, but um, you know, people drove back after being gone and heard about it. And we're just concerned. So, yeah. Um, well, on that note, I just want to say thanks. Thank you for all the people uh, who jumped up. And, you know, I told Joe, I sent him a text Sunday afternoon. I said, Joe, I'm, I'm told that I owe you a big thank you because you were the first one to jump up and run toward the stage. Because I said, I never saw you. I didn't see you before, during, or after. So I had no idea you were a part of any of it, but everybody said you were the first one to jump up there and go. So big, big shout out to our safety team and the way that they moved and and for all the prayers and texts and and grateful, grateful to be a part of a loving church. So um, for those of you who are at the 11, uh, go back and listen to the 930 service. <laughs> so the sermon is there. And it wasn't terrible, so you can go back and catch up <laughs> with us. And uh, that's what I said. Nobody's going to remember anything about the sermon. I don't even know why we're doing a podcast on the sermon because nobody heard it. So, well, the one-liner from the sermon, right, is when it comes to you know the our relationships within the local church. It's always unity over liberty. Yes, that was the whole idea. We're kind of closing this three-week rant from Paul talking, taking us a little bit deeper each week. Uh, you know, over over that kind of concept. We did get uh, quite a few questions in too. We've got four of them. Two were from last week's message, and two are from this week's message. So I figured we'd start there. Um, on a couple of questions that came from last week. So the first one came from Wesley, and here's the question. In terms of those of weaker faith, is there room for them to grow into greater freedom? So putting it back into the context of, you know, Paul speaking to those uh, in the church with weaker faith that have built up these rules upon rules, um, you know, in order to stay on the path of Christ— is there room for those people to be able to break down some of those rules and maybe start participating in some things that they previously wouldn't have um, in freedom in Christ? The answer to that is super simple. It's an absolutely yes. Absolutely. Um, but I, I think we do have to think about this in both directions. So I think it was Josh and I was having this conversation last week that whether you're weak or strong, I think there is something in us that we're, we we both grow. We both has, have to transform into the likeness of Christ. So it happens in two ways. To the weak, they become more free in Christ. They become more able to enjoy God's creation. It's the person who grew up. Okay, so let's give a couple of examples. We have several people in our church who came from 
the Church of Christ. And in the Church of Christ, my wife's family uh, is a part of that. They grew up in that. Uh, I always tell the story that whenever my wife's grandmother heard that she was marrying somebody who was not Church of Christ, she literally wept for her because she thought she is doomed. Like, this is a damning thing that it, it doesn't matter that he's a pastor in a Christian church, loves Jesus. It, no, 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 he's not Church of Christ. And so he he's going to take my granddaughter and pull her to the evil side. I mean, to be fair, no, to play. <laughs> <laughs> so that, there was that. And so we have a lot of those people who come from that background, who come from Church of Christ. And for those of you who don't know, one of the, one of the, probably the largest difference, maybe the only difference between Christian church and church of Christ theologically is how we think about music. Like in the church of Christ, it's all acapella. And because the New Testament doesn't specifically talk about worshiping with instruments, except for Revelation. But besides that one, that's the early church, it doesn't talk about there being any instruments in the church. Then they would say that there need not be any instruments in the church. And if you have instruments in the church, that is a sin and you're not worshiping the Lord anymore. And so that becomes a huge issue for people who come from the church of Christ. However, we look at these people that are part of our church and that would be an area where we would say, no, they've actually grown in their freedom. They've taken this disputable matter because the New Testament does not condemn instruments in church, far from it. And so it would, I would rightly put it in that disputable category camp. There are some people who say because it's not there, they shouldn't be there. And because others would say, well, because it doesn't say you can't, then you you probably could. Do we see the Old Testament? Sure. Do we see it in the future glory? Sure. So why would we not do it in the middle? And so it's a disputable matter. But there are lots of these people in our church now who have moved past that. And so they've grown in that. And so absolutely, we should all be growing. Again, I would say for people who come from a Baptist background who grew up and said, you are to be teetotalers, like you can't have any alcohol. We have people who've grown beyond that and said, no, that's not what Scripture teaches. Uh, This is a disputable matter. It's not condemning. Jesus turned water into wine. He didn't turn it into grape juice. It's okay that you can have a drink. You just can't be a drunkard, and those things are different. So these are ways that we can grow. Now, let me go to the flip side, though. I think there are a lot of people, maybe even more so, who are experiencing or expressing freedom in Christ that they actually need to pull back from. And again, we've talked about this a little bit, Josh, where there are things that we felt fine with participating in five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and we would have said uh, that Scripture's not against it, and it's okay, and it's not that big a deal, and it's a disputable matter, and people believe certain things. But as God has changed us, our convictions have become more stringent in these areas, and we see that there's a holiness factor that we didn't believe in 15 years ago that we do now. There are things that we would allow to have happened five years ago that now we would say, no, you know what? I can't do that and still honor the Lord. 
even though the scripture doesn't call it sin, it's not, it can't, it's just not God honoring and it doesn't help me love the Lord more. And so I actually need to grow in my uh, convictions um, to actually love Jesus better. Yeah, that's good. And I think both are really important. They're bo- I think both of them are right a part of the sanctification process as 100%. we grow in the likeness of Christ. We do get to experience more liberty and more freedom. At the same time, we recognize more about ourselves and our trends and the things in our lives that are not pushing us towards his direction. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really good. Second question here is from Morgan. Morgan asked... Um, uh, this Paul said that everything that is not done out of faith is sin. So does this mean that all hobbies or experiences that are just for fun and don't necessarily contribute to God are sin? So this is a great question. Curious to you guys, like uh, how would you answer this? You want to start? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's the context, right? Actually, I don't know Bible, but like the things that Paul are talking about, specifically the Roman church. Um, you know, he's talking to Jewish people and then Gentile people, specifically around the ways in which, you know, obviously it was in the matter of food and the matter of um, the way in which they were uh, uh, worshiping stuff. So, like, in my mind, I think that's probably the context that I would have to keep it in, um, like, done out of faith in that. So, I don't necessarily know if he was talking about me, like, mountain climbing or uh bike riding or doing those kinds Do of things. Do a lot of mountain biking. Yeah, no, I don't. But I was climbing. trying to think of, I was trying to yeah. think of Prescott. It was funny because I was going like, to ask you guys, like, what are your hobbies? Because this hits home for me. I've got a bunch of hobbies. Yeah. Like, I, do, I do a bunch of things yeah. just for fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So interesting. Like, I, I don't think anywhere where I would tell somebody, like, you, you don't do these things. Because I would go back to, like, God has created me with certain desires and wishes and things that I do. He's given me a body. He's given me a mind. He's given me um, energy to act and go and be and enjoy, right? I know a lot of, for you, Brendan, a lot of it is enjoying the creation that God has put you in, which I think is a command, right? And yeah. so, um, and I, so I, so for me, so I saw the Grand Canyon when I was nine or 10 years old. Now, part of it, I was young um, and didn't really understand it. Uh, Part of it, I wasn't a believer. And then in my 20s, I was moving to Vegas. Uh, Me and two of my friends drove from Kentucky to Las Vegas. I was going to live there uh, trying to figure out life. Um, So we decided to stop at the Grand Canyon. So I'm a follower of Jesus now, pretty sold out. Like I remember going and looking at it and we were all, I was awestruck. Like I didn't say a word. Like three guys in their 20s just stood there. And the only thing I could get out was like, God is incredible, right? It was amazing. My faith had changed my perspective and how I viewed it. Right again. Yeah. It wasn't that it wasn't awesome when I was ten. I just didn't have the appreciation of it. Um, but I don't think I was wrong that my family took me to see the Grand Canyon when I was ten. I think that's you know the yearning in all of us to see God's creation. I just know my faith definitely made that experience so much greater. Yeah. And I would think that was some of our hobbies, like some of the things I do and some of the passions that I have, are, are greater. Like um, you know, one of the things I always love to do is going fishing. Like it was just peaceful yeah. and Sabbath and just being quiet and still and having a conversation with the Lord. 
Um, again, I didn't go with the intention to make it spiritual. Like, I don't think that was my goal, but I think like my faith just plays out in everyday life. One of my hobbies is just hanging out with people. Yeah. Coaching. Coaching. Yeah, man. It's a blast. Love, love spending time with Porter on the baseball field. Yeah. Like, I think that's honoring to God. The thing, as I circle back to it, it's like, yeah, I've got all these hobbies, right? Yeah. Love spending time outside, mountain biking or running or climbing, whatever the thing is. Um, I probably have too many hobbies. Like I probably spread my time a little too thin, right? But in many of those, these are uh, me experiencing the blessing of the time and space I've been given, right? It's yeah. me experiencing some of the free time that I get, uh, clearing my head a little. It's me experiencing some of the things that God has created for us here on earth in a really unique way. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but something you said a couple of a couple of messages ago was like, hey, if we're doing it unto the Lord, if we're able to do these things unto the Lord, I think that it can be God honoring. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that I've got to make, I've got to check myself pretty regularly to ensure, because people swing this pendulum a little bit too far in the hobby direction and mm-hmm. say, well, the tr- the mountain bike trail is my church. It's like, mm, can't do that, right? Actually, scripture says we do need each other and we do need this community that we find in the local church. So when we start to swing the pendulum and say, you know, this is more important than some of the biblical guardrails we've been given for our faith, I think you can get a little sideways pretty quickly. But as you, as long as you're intentional to check the time you're spending, to check the intention, intentionality behind your hobbies. I think, I mean, here just living in Prescott, one of the things probably too you're going to have to check is the amount of uh, dinero, the oh, money you're spending yeah. on these hobbies. Yep. And RVs and boats and side-by-sides and even mountain bike, no can get crazy expensive. Like, and so there probably yeah. is a, there's probably oh, yeah. some, are we honoring the Lord, you yep. know, even in some of that? That's For definitely sure. some questions probably. And again, I think faith makes you ask those questions. Yes. That would, which would tell me that you have faith because you're asking those kinds of things. You're even just curious is what I'm doing honoring the Lord. Right? So again, that comes back to what we were just saying a second ago. That's where the I have freedom to go on the bike ride on Sunday morning. Like I can do that. I have freedom in Christ. Going to church on a Sunday morning ain't what saves me. I have freedom. But as I grow in my faith, I begin to realize, oh no, this is actually really important. And actually, it's really even more important for my kids. And so, yeah, I could go buy the $180,000 RV, and I feel good about it because I'm using it to build memories with my family, and it's great. And But again, as I get closer to the Lord, He begins to change my heart and say, actually, you could do the same thing with the $75,000 RV mm-hmm. and have 100000 to invest in the kingdom. And so those are ways that God changes us. Um, Let me me say a couple of things on this issue. So this question came back from the tail end of chapter 14. So we do have to go back just a little bit to the context. Um, And I would say the question itself Um, I struggle with one of the premises of the question. So the question itself said, and Brennan, you can quote me, make sure I get it right. Uh, Something about, does it add to God? Tell me how he said that last part. 
Um, so does this mean that all hobbies or experiences that are just for fun and don't necessarily contribute to God, which there you go. I, I hear contribute to your relationship with God. That's kind okay. of the way that I hear it. But yeah, I just want to make sure we understand nothing you do contributes to God. Right. God is God and he doesn't need us. So nothing that we're doing adds value to God or God is sitting up there saying, oh my goodness, I wish I could have done this thing, but Josh went to the lake today. And so we can't. But they would have thought, like Jewish people, I mean. But Paul's not thinking that way. No, but some of their rules would have been that thought. I do. Yes. I do wash my hands and it does add value to my, I do all of the things. Yeah. And it actually makes me better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So back at the end of chapter 14, let's make sure that we put the verse in context. So. The quote is coming from verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and anything that does not come from faith is sin. So again, the opposite of does it come from faith is doubt. And the whole context of verse chapter 14 is about around these convictions. Do I feel like this thing that I'm doing, is it wrong or is it God honoring? Is it a gift from God. So when when you're doubting whether or not it is God honoring or on the on on the worst side that it's an actual sin, it's all about your convictions. You can't you have to be able to do this out of a conviction that what you're doing is is good and God honoring. You could do it to the glory of God. You can go fishing with your kids to the glory of God. You can do laundry to the glory of God. You can uh go to the Grand Canyon to the glory of God or coach a baseball team to the glory of God. Like there's a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily have to be a spiritual discipline that we're thinking about, that we all just need to be sitting around and praying and reading our Bibles all the time. There's lots of things that we do to the glory of God or out of thanksgiving to God. Uh, I think about James 1.17 that says, uh, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Like God has given us all of this stuff for our enjoyment. That's what he says. They are gifts from God. And so we can leverage those to the glory of God. Now, to your point, with they become a replacement of God. Like I can do this thing instead of being with God. That's an issue. That's when it probably crosses the line. Uh, Brendan, you mentioned the go out and on the trail, and that becomes my church. I saw a post this past week that I thought was great that said, you know, saying that I'm going to go, not go to church or just watch it online. I said, that would be like saying, I'm not going to attend my child's wedding. I'm just going to go online. Like it's just something to be consumed as if the celebration and the environment don't matter. You can, sure, you can watch the service through a Zoom call from your house, but what are you missing? You're missing all of the connections of going in and seeing people and reconnecting with family and sitting around a meal. There's a joy and a celebration in that atmosphere that you just can't get online. Yes, you can watch the service and enjoy the content, but it is that's not why you go to weddings. You go to a wedding because there is a an environment of celebration and encouragement that you have with your friends and family that does not translate across the screen. And I think the same happens in church world. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's the reason that every Sunday when you get up or whoever else gets up, we invite the online viewers into yeah. the experience, but also say, hey, can't wait till we get to do this in 3D, like in person. Can't yeah. wait to, till you can share this time with us here. Because um, we do value it. We do think it's really important. And I think, gosh, if COVID taught us anything, I think it's just that. Yeah. I think, you know, back to the question too, you know, I think the growth part that you were talking about, um, we talked about for the first question, really probably applies here. There may be people, and there are people probably listening. There's families who maybe the camping or the RV trail or the you know the mountain bike trail, whatever it was, their church, the baseball tournaments, and they have grown in that conviction that to them now that is sinful, and they don't want to sacrifice that. You, you see a lot of families, a lot of dads, the life's families start spinning out of control, and they kind of reboot everything, and they're like, "Hey, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to live this way." And sometimes in the beginning, they can come off harsh to mm-hmm. others who are doing that. Yeah. But it's really because you've seen the danger in your life, yeah. right? I think of that alcohol is that way for for so many people. They've mm-hmm. seen the dangers. I was literally talking with somebody last week about that. They have seen the dangers. They're living the dangers. To them, they're teetotalers. That's how it is. And you go, yeah, I understand that. It makes sense. And so some of the the hobbies that people have, they did see how it pulled them away. They're traveling all the time. They're not able to be engaged at church. You know, I'm at a Fisher guy at our last church or hunters. They would miss just months of the season uh, or months of Sundays in November. And I'm like, you're just, you're just not serving church at all in November. Like now I got to get my, I, I got these tags. I got to use them. And again, you do once. Oh, that's cool. But you're like, you're just taking off for like a whole month. Like you're just, now, I'm not saying they punted their faith or anything like that, but it does begin, you begin to wonder, like, where does, and I've seen other guys go, no, nah, I only hunt during the week now. I miss too many Sundays. Yeah, I, Work made me miss too many Sundays. I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I, I'm not a part, I don't want to be a part of that anymore, right? Um, I was talking to a police officer there, uh, this past Sunday. He was like, he's towards the end. He was like, man, I want to help uh, more people. Less charges, uh, more help. He goes, that's just how God has convicted me. I have little time left. I just want to, I want to change. I want to grow. I feel like this is what God is telling me to do. So there, we all are seeing that really cool stuff. And I, again, I just think for some of us, we're, we're attacked because we hear like, oh, you can't be doing these things. So you go the one way. And the people who were doing all the things are the, on the other side. And they're like, you know, you should be doing those stuff. So I think it's just, again, it's that balance. Back to what you said this week is, like, are we staying unified? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's the biggest, most important piece of this. Yeah. Like, we're actually keeping uh, unity over. Well, yeah, I can. I can go out on Sunday morning. It's not. Nobody's stopping me. Right. Yeah. But there is, like you said, now a new conviction to go. Oh man, this really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do we get others to see that without, I think, because there's another question, how do we get others to see that without being disunified? Yeah, so that's the segue, right, yeah. to this week's first question from Jake, which is how do we balance the burden of lifting up those of weak faith without causing disunity through it? 
How do we address um, those who are allowing their liberties to foster disunity, especially when it comes to those uh, in weak faith? Well, my, my first, just I'll let Jason answer, but my first thought is to answer how Jason did. Come on, get it together. What's wrong with you? Figure this out. My flesh was, when you said that, I was like, yes and amen, hallelujah. <laughs> well, let me say, I think it goes back to our first, our first, First week in this conversation where we had kind of three little bullet points at the end. Here's your application. And one of them was um, that you have conversations and not quarrels. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's okay for us to challenge each other, to teach each other, and admonish each other. In fact, this coming uh, week, we're going to jump into verse 14 of chapter 15 where it says, Paul writes, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct each other. Like, like the Spirit of God in us is competent to instruct each other, that we should have these conversations and be challenging each other. But again, we got to challenge on both sides. We got to challenge those who say, I've got the freedom to go do this thing over here. Yeah, yeah, you do. That's right. But is it wise? Is it setting your kids up for success in their faith? Is it honoring to your wife when you listen to that? Does it help your children feel loved? Do they see a value in in following Jesus when your priorities look like that? So, but it, it comes out of a place of love and and I think asking questions is the most helpful way to do this. We just ask questions. Help me understand why you think that that's a good thing. Help me understand how that helps you love the Lord more. Help me understand uh, why you think this is better than that. And so instead of quarreling about it, we're not going to quarrel. We're not going to argue. But I think it's right. We should be asking asking questions of each other. So again, both directions, those who are strong and those who are weak. So if we did that piece, we would move the needle for each other and and challenge each other to grow in the likeness of Christ. Yeah, that's really good. Um, what, was the, what was the second part of that question? Um, how do we address those allowing their liberties to foster disunity? So really, I think it's just right humbly asking the question, hey, tell me about this thing that you do, right? As yeah. you see the trends in the lives of the people around you. You know, it's not quarreling. It's not, hey, knock that off. Uh, sometimes it's admon- admonishment if it's sin, right? Then, then we yes, have we the admonish when it's sin to do yeah, that. Yeah. But um, again, within the liberty, uh, yeah, the the question asking is the the humble question asking is so mm-hmm. important. So I think that's really good. Our uh, our last question comes from Bob, and Bob asks, "How do we navigate balancing discipleship with Romans fifteen seven, which says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to pr- bring praise to God?'" So I want you, Jason, uh, to put that text back into some context for us, um, because I don't think that it's right. Uh, I don't think what it's saying is accept the sin that you see in one another and don't call it out like we were just talking about. Only not, God can judge me. It's not saying don't admonish your brother and sister. So help us put that back into context. You just said, say it again. Only God can judge me. I'm literally sitting at a traffic light last week and there was a guy actually sitting in a truck that's owned by a company 
whose owner goes to our church and he's got his right arm on the windowsill and tattooed across his forearm was only God can judge me. So that was, that was a really popular one, popular one, like 15 years ago. It was pretty pretty funny. It's real popular. You gotta, you gotta (laughs) take those pictures and send them in our group chat. We've got a funny thing going where we take ironic bumper stickers and send them to each other. So yeah, I, yeah, he was sitting there with his, Cigarette and arm at the window. Only God can judge me. So anyway, the- I don't think he wants that. <laughs> Honestly, if he wants to be truthful, he needs to listen to the Romans one, two, and three. That's right. He doesn't. We don't know. want that he judgment. Want- you <laughs> let other people help judge you now. For ju- God does later. Um, who knows? He may be a Jesus follower. I don't know. It was just. It was just funny that you brought that up. Okay, back to the the question. Verse seven again is. The context is you got these two groups of people, got the Jews and the Gentiles, and the whole point of this beginning of chapter 15 is that God has a place for both of them in his family. So that's why he says, I tell you that Christ is a servant of the Jews, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God, and then he gives all the verses of how the Jews and Gentiles were supposed to be a part of this same group. That's what he means by accepting. So that we have both, as Jews and Gentiles, are accepted into the the family of God. And that's what he's saying here. So just as Christ has accepted the Gentiles in, Jews accept the Gentiles in. Just as Christ has accepted these weak faith Jewish believers who are bringing in these rules, he accepted them, you accept them. So that's the context here. So these are about, these people are both still my brothers and sisters. If they're followers of Jesus, if Jesus accepts them, I have to accept them. Um, so think about it in the in the realm of adoption, okay? So again, we have a lot of people in our church who have been adopted. So you imagine a family, and there were some who were born into the family, and there are some who are adopted into the family. And the parents have accepted them both as their children. They they both have the same standing, legal and familial standing, as sons and daughters in this family. And, And essentially what Paul is saying is that Christ has accepted both of these, some the ones that were born in and the ones that were adopted in. They are both now his children brought into the family. And now he's looking at the kids and saying, I've accepted you both. Now you have to accept each other. So to your point, Brendan, this is not about we accept sin or we just let people stay where they are. That is not the context. In fact, again, as I said, verse 14 is going to tell us very plainly that we have been filled with knowledge competent to instruct each other. We don't just let each other stay where we are in our faith, but we instruct each other to grow in our faith. But we do, no matter what, accept each other as part of the same family. Yeah, love that. I think that's a great answer. No, yeah, I do too. I can, it's such a it's just an odd question, you know, um in the you know, in the idea of discipleship, you know, uh because so many people have such differing views on what discipleship is. Well, we were literally just talking about all of our discipleship groups, <laughs> and literally, it's they're not judging me necessarily, but they are calling me out, and I am being held accountable because I am sharing things I don't want to share. And what did I, you say? 
I hate this. I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm mad at Jason, yeah, but th- I need all it. three of us had I'll, our yeah. groups this morning, and we <laughs> all came in thinking, man, I don't like that. <laughs> but again, so like, that's my view of discipleship. It is actually wanting people to judge me, to go, stop that. Yeah. What's wrong with you? You know better than that. Um, and so I don't want out of that. Yeah. Because I'm actually a lot better when I have that in yeah. my life. Like my faith is growing. Yeah. I have, that's where I have learned new liberties or new convictions. Mm-hmm. It's out of hearing how other people sh- share their life with me. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, the discipleship thing is so interesting that that's how that question was so just kind of phrased. I think we could all just take a moment right now and just wave the banner for get into a discipleship group. Like if you haven't yeah. done this yet, well, man, you have to do this. Like this is this is where the rubber meets the road. We, I get to ask questions from the stage, and I do, and I ask hard questions and pointed questions, and you can just sit there. Like there's no, there's nobody who's leaning down the aisle looking you in the eye and say, okay, take three minutes and tell me how that's going in your life. Like nobody's doing that in a Sunday sermon. Like if that's all you're getting, man, you will justify yourself right out of answering that question honestly. But if you got four people in your life who are who've heard your story and they know what's going on in your world and they ask the question and then they just sit there. And they make you answer it. They make you say it out loud. And they they hear your BS and they roll their eyes and say, try again. <laughs> like, that's life-changing. And oh. that's what he's calling us to. So if you haven't got into a discipleship group yet, you need to do it. We've got, I don't know, 100 and how many people? About that. About 100 right. people so far in our church who've done it. We need that number to grow tenfold. Yeah, so here's the deal. There's uh, about 500 people that listen to this podcast every week. So if you're listening right now, it's probably 400 of you that are not in a discipleship mm-hmm. group that need to email joshg at <laughs> quadcity.church. We can figure it out. Today is Wednesday now. This episode's going to drop Wednesday. Wow. Email Josh. We're going to figure it out. Yeah, that's Stop it. Stop putting it off. It's, yeah. And again, your question Sunday Hey, are you a follower of Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Are okay, so follow him and yeah. do what he says. Yeah. That's easy. I can really justify that answer in my head. Oh yeah, man, I'm in. I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Then it's like, are you actually doing what Jesus did? Yeah. And I'm like, just in the context of this, yeah. am I willing to bear with the weaker brothers? Yeah. I'm like, oh man. I hated that question. I didn't want to answer that question. In our 11 o'clock, people got out of it. So you, you have did. to go back to 930 <laughs> and get to that moment where I look uh, into the camera and look into your eyes and say, then follow him. You got to follow him. And again, you can leave. Even if even if what happened on 11 doesn't happen and it's a normal Sunday, yeah. the reality is so many of us are just walking out that door and not taking that conviction with us. Yeah. So when we sit back down around a group and they're looking at us going, how did you actually follow? Because that's what the discipleship group is. It's actually the how-to and did you do it of following Jesus. All the questions are geared to, here are the things you should be doing. Did you actually do it? Yeah. Oh, you didn't. Why did you not do it? Yeah. Here it is. Here's why I didn't do it, you know? And so, again, w- the questions are primed from the stage, but the conversation happens, again, in the depth and the 
transformation and accountability of uh, really what those groups are are yeah. formed around. Of relationship. You yep. have to have that relationship. Yep. It's really good. All right, guys. So that's all we've got for today. Thanks for uh, for hanging out and chatting for 45 minutes. See you again real soon. Well, all right, that is a wrap on episode 41 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. We're so glad that you joined us for this time today. As always, if there's ever any questions or comments that come up from our messages on Sunday, we do hope to see you join us at quadcity.church slash Romans, where you could submit your questions to be answered right here on the show. Well, we hope you have a great week and we can't wait to see you again very soon.